I was reading in Romans 16 this morning, just not anything to do with the message, and it just struck me how basically the whole book of Rome or the the whole uh, chapter of Romans 16 is Paul giving these greetings. And it just struck me, it's like, wow, if I was back home in PA for a month and a friend of mine was coming to, it's Bridgeville, right? Yeah. Or coming to Gateway, I would say, you know what? Could you give greetings to Bonnie? Because she just blessed my heart the other day. Just hearing of her faithfulness and her love. And then I'd say to my friend, could you give greetings to Gloria? Like her smile and her face just uh, makes anybody have a good day, right? And could you give greetings to Nikki? Because she has such a passion for serving the broken and the hurting Could you give greetings to Sherry? She's poured so much into children's ministry. She's tired, but she still has a heart for that. Could you give greetings to Doug? I mean, the guy does everything around here. (laughs) Mostly he brought us food. Could you give greetings to Janae? Wow, what a, what a countenance on that face. It just shines the light of Jesus. Could you give greetings to Jen? Just tell her to keep singing for the Lord. Could you give greetings to Garth and just that way he articulates what he's feeling in just a very profound way? And I could go on and on and on. So, part of me comes this morning with a little fear and trembling. No, not fear and trembling of you guys, because God's just been growing a love in me for you all, and I know our whole team has just grown in love for you, and it's, it's simply the love of Jesus. But my fear and trembling is, is because this morning and all weekend, we've been representing Jesus. We've been, we've been trying to stand in the gap for you and with you. And I'm not, it's not a, it's not a taskmaster fear of Jesus, but it's Jesus' love is the only thing that overcomes the power of darkness in the world. And so, as we met together this weekend, and even this morning as I share with you, the fear and trembling in me is that I wanna, I wanna represent Jesus well and who he is and his love for you. I wrote a lot of things down for this morning. You know, one thing I really appreciate about you guys is many of you wrote down your thoughts when you came and talked to us. Because your hearts were full and your minds were full and it just helped keep you on track. 
I thought early this morning, it's like, I need to write things down because my heart is full and my mind is full and my body is tired. And, and I want to I wanna be, I want to do well in, in portraying and, and teaching the truths that God has laid on my heart for this morning. Now, I will say that just like many of you, I may just lay my notes aside <laughs> and uh, just start sharing if God brings something else. But So for the next 20 minutes or so, like 20 minutes is the time you all had, so that's probably what I have, right? Just want to share some things with you. Can I bring That's way too far away. It's very heavy. I kind of noticed that, and I'm glad you brought it down here. Because I'm an old grandpa, right? <laughs> What's that? Yes, I am seasoned. I know all of us, the five of us on our, on our team, have expressed just how, how openly you guys have shared your hearts with us and how vulnerable, vulnerable you've been. Um, that requires trust, and you trusted us. And um, it means a lot. You didn't hold anything back. The great, the joy, the blessings, the bad, the ugly, the painful, the frustration. Um, you, just, you just bared your souls to us, and I just want to say thank you for that. It helps, it helps us understand you and where you're at and what you've been through, where you want to go. So is it okay if I kind of do the same thing this morning? You know, I loved how Joe opened each of, our, each of our times with you. We're here, and you're here, because we assume you love Jesus and you love the church. I'm simply here this morning because I love Jesus and I love the church. And you guys are the church. We're all the church. And so I'm just going to try and share very simply, but honestly and boldly this morning, and represent Jesus. So my goal for the next 20 minutes, uh-huh, is just simply to, to try and answer the question. And I know this is a reminder and review because you guys are, there's a lot of mature people in here. But why did Jesus pay the price for this mess that we find ourselves in? I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about the mess humanity finds itself in. Why did Jesus pay the price for that? Well, the way I always approach things is I try and start at the beginning. So if you got your Bibles this morning, or your devices, or I don't have any PowerPoints for you, I'm just going to look at the Word, talk together. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to the very beginning, page one. Well, actually, that might be your, 
something else, but Genesis 1.1. And the reason I know this is the beginning, because it says in the beginning. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God, God created the heavens and the earth. So if God created the heavens and the earth, it might be good for us just to talk a little bit about who God is. Because God had a big impact on creation, did he not? So what are some things we know about God? Sometimes we call these attributes of God, but what do we know about God? Go ahead, you can talk to me. God is love. He's big. I like that. He's creative, absolutely. He's the only eternal. Faithful, absolutely. Powerful. Wow. If you can create the heavens and the earth, you've got some power. Loving. Interactive. Hmm. What's that? Compassionate. Long-suffering and kind. Just. Wow. Peaceable. Well, those are such good answers. We could just talk about them the rest of the morning. We're kind of actually going to. But under all that, and and it's been mentioned a couple times, the wellspring of all that God is and who he is and what he represents is love. Love. And, And each and every one of us is trusting in that truth, are we not? For God so loved, and you know the rest. For God so loved. To have all the attributes of God without that foundation that God is love, God would be a very different God than who we know. 1 John 4, 7 says, Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. How do we know? Because God is love. And in verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So Jesus took up our cross, paid the price for our sin. Jesus poured out his blood. Jesus went into the grave. Jesus experienced the rejection of the Father as he put on our sin. And then the power of God, which is the love of God, raised Jesus from the grave so that we might live. And then Jesus ascended into heaven where he's doing what right now for us? Interceding for us. Jesus paid the price for this mess that humanity is in. And the power source, the driving force, moving this entire sequence of happenings is simply the love of God. Love put, or God and his love put all of that into motion 
God is love, and brothers and sisters, we better understand that that is really, really good news. That is good news. Back to Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. In the beginning, God, who is love, created. You know, sometimes I hear people say, why, with all this suffering in the world, why would God have even created this place? Have you ever felt that way or heard people talk like that? Why, why would God even create this place? So much suffering. Well, this is really short and simple, but God is love, and God's love needs to be expressed. Love, God's love is selflessly interactive. And here in the beginning, the scripture says that there's this formlessness, there's this emptiness, and a darkness over the surface of the deep. For you theologians, I think in the Hebrew, deep simply means the deep. We'll just let it go at that. And over and above and separate from all of this, the Spirit of God was hovering. So God, who is love, he began to create and to bring order and bring light to a place where his love could be expressed and received and maybe understood. Does that make sense? Love needs to be selflessly expressed. It needs to be lived. So God created and he brought order. He did some separating of light and darkness, and he separated water from water. In other words, in the scripture, that means he made the sky and the dry land and the seas were formed and the plants and the animals and the fish and the birds of all kinds of colors and sounds. You know what? The first thing I started teaching my grandkids whenever, before they could talk. I, I have a farming background. I've got farming deep in my blood. You know what I'd say? I'd say, what's a cow say? And what would they say? I'd say, what's a pig say? You can do that with a mask on. But there's all this variety. And, and we actually, I found, like, I just want to teach my kids that, my grandkids. Like, there's all this variety and color and, and smells. Man, you talk about variety of smells on the farm. You know, I was staying over here at this, this Airbnb on a horse farm, but only it smelled like chicken. How does that work? Only in Delaware. <laughs> yeah. But all of this creativity and variety revealed the creativity of God, and God saw it, and he looked at it, and he said, this is all good. This is all good. So there's this whole world of light and life happening in all its color and beauty and variety, and the imprint of the creator is all over it. So let's drop down to verse 26. God has one more idea, one more thing to create. Here's the idea God had. He said, ha, huh, 
Let's make man in our image and likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the livestock and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And then in verse 27, God carries it out. So God created, formed man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, God created them. God created God created man in his image. God created woman in his image. And if we look at the, the more detailed account in Genesis 2-7, it says the Lord formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Do you know we sang about that this morning? It's your breath. In our lungs. So I have this picture in my mind. My mind gets these pictures. I'm not, a, I don't say I'm having, I just get pictures. And I just have this picture of God getting down on his knees, and I don't even know if God has knees. But he begins to take this dirt, this dust, and he forms it to just what he likes. And then, church, this is the most incredible thing. And then God, breathed his life who he was into that dirt and the scripture says became a living being full of the very breath and life of God and I don't I don't picture God just kind of like having an excavator over there digging dirt and just kind of like blowing breath. No, I think God, God cradled that and he thought about it and he looked at it. And then with only the love of God, and he just... Right mouth to mouth. That's what the scripture says. God breathed his life, his breath, into humanity. And now man was created in God's image and had the very breath, the very life of God in him. So wouldn't it be fair to say that man was created perfectly with all the fullness of God in him? Be careful. I didn't say that man was now God because man was created by God. But God breathed his life into humanity. We doing okay? Great. I'll keep going. So maybe you're thinking, wow, man, that's pre the fall. That's pre sin. That's pre the selfishness of man. What does that have to do with me? What well, has everything to do with you? It has everything to do with me. Allow me to give you just a little glimpse of where we're heading. We're going to have to flip over to the New Covenant. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1. And Paul, the apostle, was talking about Jesus. You guys love to talk about Jesus don't you? 
You love to sing to Jesus, don't you? You love to worship Jesus and pray to Jesus. Church, I'm not trying to trap you here, but I'm just going to go on a little side that's not in my notes. <laughs> we love to gather around Jesus. And in the New Testament, people love to gather around Jesus. But what did Jesus say? Once you gather around me and take up your cross and follow me. Don't just gather around me. Don't just sing to me. Don't just pray to me. Follow me and do what I do. So Paul's talking about this Jesus. In, in verse 15, he says, He is the image of the invisible God. So Jesus is the image of God. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. So Jesus was there at creation. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You were created for Jesus. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might, so that in everything, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. Listen, church, for God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him. God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, to reconcile to himself, to God, all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The fullness of God was in Jesus. Is there any argument about that? All right, let's keep going. Let's jump over to verse 25. Paul goes on, the Apostle Paul, I have become its servant. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Ah, the mystery the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. It's not a mystery anymore, because Jesus has come. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches. Hear that glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? You know this. Christ in you, which is the, the hope of glory. The fullness of God is in Jesus. The fullness of Jesus is in who? The church. Could you just like sit and rest and live in that for a while? The fullness of God is in Jesus, and the fullness of Jesus is in his church. One more, one more verse there. We proclaim him, verse 28, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present who? Everyone. Perfect in Christ. Everyone. 
So what's this wisdom he's talking about? This wisdom from heaven. James, James 3.17 says that wisdom from heaven that comes from heaven is pure, it's considerate, it's submissive and full of mercy and good fruit and peace-loving and impartial and sincere. That kind of wisdom that comes from heaven is a clue that everyone, everyone may presented, be, be presented perfect in Christ. It's one more step yet. Verse 8 of chapter 2 in Colossians. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and on the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. Do you know what the basic principles of this world are? I'm going to tell you in a little bit. They're selfish. They're selfish. Verse 9 answers the why we should not do that. For in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ. Church, who is the head over every power and authority? I want to say it one more time. The fullness of God is in Jesus, and the fullness of Jesus is in the church, in you. You know what Romans 8 says? I know you do. Many of you do. It says that all of creation is longing. All of creation is standing on its tippy toes to see the sons and daughters of God revealed. Why? Because when the sons and daughters live in the fullness of Christ, it begins to change all of creation. Not just in the future, right now. So because, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to use up my 20 minutes, aren't I? So because God is love, humanity, men and women, created in God's image and God's likeness, full of the very breath of God, were created to what? Love. If God is love and we're created in God's image and likeness, we were created to love. Humanity was created to love. And as God's image bearers created in his likeness, before the fall, we were designed to love. Let's go back. I lost my place. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's the question I want to ask you. So... Before the fall, before sin, we were designed and created to do what? what? What did it say in the scripture? It said, multiply and fill the earth, right? Multiply what? Multiply what? The image of God. We were created to multiply the image of God, filling the whole earth with the glory and the love of God. 
That's why we were created. To multiply the image of God, filling the whole earth with the glory of God. We were actually created to be love. See, love is not something you do. It's something you are. Because if God is love, and the fullness of God is in Jesus, that means Jesus is love. And if the fullness of Jesus is in the church, and you and I, that means that we are love. So don't leave here today and say, i got to go do more love. Just go be love. It'll come out in all kinds of ways. The purpose of God breathing his life tenderly into that power of dust, into humanity, was so that God's image and likeness would be multiplied in all the earth. Amen? But we got a problem, don't we? Because if we're going to keep reading, we've got to go to Genesis 3. Bummer, huh? Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did... uh, Sorry, we may eat from the trees in the garden of Eden, but God did say you must not eat. From the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you must not touch it or you will die. Ah, you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Hmm, he's hiding, but God's asking for him. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? God's simply asking for a yes or no answer here. The man said, well, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So what died? What died? I mean, Adam and Eve were still alive physically, right? We often say they died spiritually, but what does that even mean? Well, can I suggest to you this morning that what died was everything that they were created to be. Adam and Eve were created with the fullness of God. Humanity was created with the purpose and identity to fill the whole earth with the glory and the love of God and to be fruitful and multiply God's image that they were created in and to love selflessly and to be loved. But now they took on the nature of Satan. That's strong language, isn't it? But that's what happened. They took on the nature of Satan, who is the enemy of God. 
Oh, they still loved. They loved like crazy. They loved themselves. Selfish way of living, a self-preservation way of living. Like I said, Adam wouldn't even give God a direct answer to a yes or no question. Did you eat from the forbidden fruit? Well, up in Pennsylvania, we'd say Adam kind of hee-hauled around. There was a big thud when he threw his wife under the bus. She made me do it. She made me do it. See, what happened was Adam's eyes are now focused on himself. Remember, he realized he was, a, he was naked. His eyes went from God to himself. And now he's starting to live as a victim and blame and self-preservate. Man, I'm sorry, but there's too many times I can relate to that. I don't know about you. So the fullness of God, the perfect love of God, the image of God imprinted in humanity had now become selfish. Church, have you ever stopped to think about how many things, even good things, like turning to Jesus for salvation come from a selfish motive? Oh, if I surrender to Jesus, I won't die. Or if I believe in Jesus, ah, I'll get this eternal reward. Or if I obey God's laws, then ah, things will go well for me. Or if I marry just the right spouse. Or if I buy this from my wife, I will get happy life. Or if I give in to my kids on this, they're going to like me a little more. Or if I, can, if I can just go to the right church. Or when, when we gather as the body of Christ, you know, I really like when we do it this way or that way. Do you hear the selfishness even in some good things? Romans 5 says that sin entered the world through one man, this Adam that we've been talking about. And death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. So what died? Yes, we'll all die physically someday, but we were born loving self. You know those grandkids I talked about? I have three of the cutest granddaughters. I know, Joe, yours are cute too, but mine are the cutest to me. And I watched them play together, and they are so precious. And like, all of a sudden, there's a light switch turns, and like, they grow horns and start carrying pitchforks. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. They were born selfish. They were born selfish. I was born selfish. The incredible thing, the terrible thing, is they even learned that from their grandfather and their parents. They were born that way, but they, they continue to learn how to live that way. They hear our conversations. 
things like that. We teach selfishness to each other. We are born incapable of living out our intended design and purpose of filling the whole earth with the glory and love of God as his image bearers. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus poured out his spirit on the church, those who trust in him, keep their eyes on him, when he deposits his spirit in the believer, in essence, what is happening is we are being restored to being human again. When Jesus poured out his spirit on the church, he was restoring humanity to being human again as we were created, full of the very breath and life of God. Does that make sense? Ephesians 2.10, many of you know this. We are God's workmanship. What? Go ahead. Created in Christ Jesus. I like to say recreated in Christ Jesus. To do the good works that God had prepared, that he had planned for us to do in advance. So in Christ Jesus, we are recreated, reborn, to do the things that God had planned in us for in advance which is to fill the whole earth with the glory and the love of God. It's that simple. It's that simple. We've got to uncomplicate this. Just look. Just look at what happens when human beings live apart from the Spirit of God. It's not that far away, is it? But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the fullness of God and the fullness of Jesus being in the church, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. Love. What else? Joy. Patience. Patience is what? what what's the other word for patience? Patience. How about suffering a long time? <laughs> and gentleness and kindness and those things, those things fill the earth with the image and glory of God. Church, are you starting to get a sense of why the price that Jesus paid to restore humanity was so important? He paid the price to restore us to be image bearers. He paid the price that God's kingdom will come when and where? Now, on earth, as it is in heaven. That's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So yes, he paid the price for our sin on the cross. Yes, he died so that we could live. And yes, Jesus paid the price so that we could go to heaven, whatever that all means. But brothers and sisters, it is for so much more that Jesus paid the price. He paid the price so that we could be restored image bearers here and now and fill the whole earth with the glory and the love and the wisdom of God. And that understanding has to be foundational to every connection and every relationship that we have. 
You might think I've been a little heavy this morning. Maybe I'm overemphasizing the love of God or how that needs to be real in us as the church. But Matthew 24, Matthew 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the signs of the ends, ends of the age. He goes through this list of things. And then he sums it all up by saying that many will turn from faith and hate each other. Wow. And the love will grow cold. In other words, people will not live what they were recreated in Jesus to be and do. Basically what he's saying is we're going to start living out of fear and victimhood with our eyes focused on other people who have done or were afraid they might do something instead of our eyes focused on Jesus. So we stop taking up our cross and we stop following him. Paul in the second letter to Timothy says that in the last days people will be lovers. They'll be lovers. It's great news, but then he goes on, he says they will be lovers of themselves. Then he says, without love, not lovers of good, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. What's the power of God? It's love. So church, how, how can we know that we're not being deceived as the end of the age comes to pass? Let's just simply examine our hearts. Are we loving God and being love among our families and in the church, in Cannon, Bridgeville, Greenwood, surrounding neighborhoods? Because in doing so, we will fulfill the entire law of God. Is our focus, is it selfish or is it unselfish? Our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Our eyes on each other. I need to wrap it up. I trust this morning that we've all been reminded, maybe inspired, of the incredible purpose and function that God has entrusted and empowered his church with, living as his redeemed image bearers, filling the whole earth, the whole earth, with the glory and the love of God. And that the name of Jesus, the one who paid the price for this mess, your sin and mine, the one who bought us back with his own perfect blood, the one who brought peace and joy, the one who filled us, the one who deposited his very spirit, the one who made us human again, would be glorified than that his kingdom 
would come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I love that. You know, our prayer as a team and hope would be and has been, as I stated at the beginning, that we could be Jesus to you all. We love you. We love you. We desire to, to see you as a church and as a people and as individuals flourish in grace and peace, as Paul so often says. I've, I've been on this personal journey for a couple of years with this word grace. And a couple of years ago, I found this old, old definition in, in old Strong's. And it just made grace make sense to me. Grace is simply the divine influence of God in our heart that reflects in our life. And that's another way of saying everything that I said took the last 20 minutes to say. The divine influence of God coming down into our hearts, restoring us, and then it flows from us. Grace and peace. When there's grace, divine influence from God reflecting in our life, there will be peace. There will be peace. So that's our heart for you as a church. So in that, in that heart, in that, I would just like to give you an opportunity as, as the church this morning to respond and be ministered to. I know there's deep pain. There's deep pain. I'm not asking you to let go of the pain. I'm just asking you this morning if you would like to be called back. And you're saying, I, I just want to get back on track on being an image bearer of God. Got sidetracked a little bit. I long to bear his image. You can't make that happen. But you can ask the Holy Spirit for his divine influence in your heart which will begin to reflect in your life and bring peace around you. It's a promise. I don't know how we do this in social distancing. Maybe we just need to do that at your seat. But if, if you would like to be prayed for this morning or maybe you just want to to come forward or, or stand and say, you know what, I'm just to each other, to God. I, I want in my life, I want my life to be a reflection of the glory and the love of God. I want to reflect his image. I want to be his image because the fullness of God is in Jesus and the fullness of Jesus is in the church. And if that's your heart this morning, maybe we could just stand where we're at, and then I'll pray for you. If that's your heart this morning, I just invite you to stand. I'm not asking you to give up pain. I'm just saying, in your heart, I want to reflect the image of God.
Oh, thank you, church. Thank you, Jesus. I wasn't planning on this. Church, I have a question for you. Joe, Joe, could you come up here and Steve? And Naomi and fellas, come on up too. I didn't, not, come on up, ladies. I said at the beginning, we've been trying to stand in a gap for you. So, so here you stand, desiring to reflect the image of God, and yet there's pain. It's, it's pain caused by people and our own selfishness. And, and I know the hearts of these couples. Would, would you allow us, church, to just simply stand here in the gap for you and take on the hurt of other people that have caused to you. In other words, you give it up. Allow us, as leaders in our conference and in the church, just to take that on us. In other words, we're going to try and continue to be Jesus to you. So if you've been hurt by leaders other people in the church, we want to represent them, and you just go ahead, put your hurt on us. We'll do that for you, because we love you. Because we're going to give it right back to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, you love these people. You love your church. You've breathed your life into your church to recreate and to restore. Restore us to being human. God, I pray that your peace and your grace would reign in this place and in the hearts of your people. Because what happens in the hearts of your people will begin to affect the community, the community of believers, and then the community of Delaware. May the God of all hope Give you joy as you live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.